And a happy Monday, everyone. Welcome into Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be back in our digs down here at the Digs, where we do all of our TV and radio work. I am your host, as I am each and every Monday, John Harris. And boy, what a weekend it has been. My goodness. Last week is free agency. Panic. I heard it from all of you. I saw it from all of you. Panic. We are panicking. We're not doing anything. We're not doing anything. And then J.J. Watt tweeted three honey jars. It changed everything, didn't it? It changed. I told you. I told you. Free agency is every day from now until the end of the following league year, which will be another year from now. Free agency is not a, it's two hours and it's done. There's still some players out there, too. I don't know that Texas will be in on anybody. Justin Pugh ended up in Arizona. Dominick Sue is still a question mark, just hoping that he doesn't end up in Tennessee, but he's not coming here. But the big news on Friday happened, well, it was <laughs> J.J. Watt is the one who essentially broke it when he tweeted out three honey jars. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, okay. We had an inkling actually earlier in the day. I won't tell you how, but Mark Vandermeer and I somewhere, some, somewhere on this computer that I'm looking at, We've got an alternate show because we thought there might be a chance. And then it didn't come to fruition. We're like, ah, dang it. And then later that night, we saw it. J.J. Watt tweeting it. I think he was the one who announced it. And everybody else caught on. And then shortly thereafter, it was announced. The Texans had signed Tyron Matthew, safety, defensive back extraordinaire, formerly of LSU, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, signed a one-year deal to become a Houston Texan. And we're going to hear from Tyron here in just a little bit. So we got a jam-packed show, but the Tyron Matthew news pretty much dwarfed everything. And, man, you talk about one heck of a Friday. You had the Tyron Matthew news. You had Jose Altuve signing a five-year, $151 million contract. You had UMBC, a 16th seed, beating Virginia, a one seed. You had all that happening on Friday night. And then over the weekend, it was just the reaction to, my goodness, Tyron Matthews, a Texan, passed his physical today, had his press conference, and then Tyron Matthew joined us in studio earlier today. Welcome to Houston. How's it going? How you doing? Thank you guys for having me. What's the day been like in the building for you, meeting everybody and just getting acclimated to the surroundings? It's, it's been a long morning, but um, it, yeah. it's, it's refreshing, you know, just seeing everybody, obviously being in the building, you know, seeing the players. Um, it's been fun, man. I'm encouraged. Tyron, social media is a pretty interesting beast, so to speak. But when news came down that you were available, I saw tweet after tweet after tweet Hey, Tyron, join us. I mean, it was like you were being recruited all over yeah. again, but by NFL teams all across the country. What did that mean to you to see the love that you got to come join our team? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good feeling. And, um, you know, um, you know I'm, I'm grateful. You know, it's a blessing that, that people look up to me that way. Um, but, you know, I look up to many guys like that in the league, you know, J.J., you know, uh, Patrick Peterson. So, you know, I think it just goes around. Well, once you decided to become a Houston Texan, then you're getting all the love from your current teammates here, Deshaun Watson among them. And you got to feel like you're part of a good family here. And you 
said it yourself, you want to be part of a football-first culture. Absolutely. Um, and I really felt like the Texans, you know, offered me that, um, not only with the potential we, we have on offense and defense, but um, just with the group of guys. Like I said, I've, I've known J.J. a few years now, and, you know, I, I know Deshaun. So I know what kind of guys they are, what kind of men they are. And um, I think that always plays an important part when you're trying to transition to a new place. You always want to go somewhere where you're comfortable, um, while people are respectful and, um, you know, um, and people want to work hard. And I think this is a, just a group for me. Tyron, we've seen you on the field. People have seen you on the field. They back to your LSU days, to your Cardinals days. They know the plays you can make on the field. But I think what stood out to me that helped watching that documentary on Amazon about your 2015 season, and when you stood up in front of the team and you showed your leadership, it stood out to me so much more. Where does that come from? You being the leader, I mean, you're 25 years old, and yet you were standing up there in front of full-grown men saying what you had to say to them to get them ready for the NFC Championship game. Where does that come from within you to be that kind of person? You know, I, I, I just try to practice hard. I try to practice the right way, and um, I think if you practice the right way and you play the right, to play the right way, I think people will, will gravitate towards you, and um, honestly, I think that's what happened. Um, I don't think I did anything special. Um, I was just trying to practice hard, play hard, and uh, obviously – People want to listen to what you have to say when you're when you're out there giving it 100. percent um, You know, I was grateful because because I always had some great teammates. Um, but um, you know, it was fun kind of stepping into that leadership role, having people feed off your energy in a positive way. So, um, uh, but once you become a leader, you can never go back, and that's always a tough challenge. Tyron Matthew joining us. You know, I've always said the great players do love to practice. So, when did that start for you? Has it always been there for you since starting to play football, or did it? emerge over time you know um ever since i was five years old um i've always been a a top-notch competitor um i played pretty much every sport so i was always active and um you know i never wanted to lose um i always wanted to get better and um you know every time i step on the field whether it was a football or baseball whatever i always tried to you know prove my work when you were with arizona i think it was the first game that you played you playing at st louis and you had not played for a year and so people were a little curious like what can this guy do and early in the game, receiver catches the ball. He's running down the field. Maybe he's a tight end. Yeah. And you came out of nowhere and knocked the ball away. Did you feel like that was a moment where you said, yes, I can do this in the NFL too? Do you feel like that was your moment to say, yeah, the Honey Badger's here too? You're going to remember me if you didn't before? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously it was a lot of emotions, you know, going into that first game, not having played in a year. And um, I was grateful and I was blessed because I had a clearer mind that day and, um, all the thing was on my mind was making plays, and um, you know I was able to help my team that day. LSU, you're closer to campus now, and I know that uh, there's a lot of history there, but the fans love you, yeah. and there's so many of them here in this city. That's got to be special for you. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, um, like I said, I miss the South, man. There's not no yeah. place quite like the South, um, and you know, from food to culture to to even sports. Um, everything is just better down here. And um, I'm excited, man, to be back down south. Um, you know, obviously I'm closer to my family, closer to my roots, LSU and, and St. Augustine, New Orleans. But, um, you know, I'm more excited about the things I can do off the field, you know, in the community. Um, and, you know, just transitioning from Arizona to Houston and, you know, trying to make an impact. Um, so, you know, uh, once we get the football squared away, I can't wait to get started with the community. The heat there is worse, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> It's worse. I know they say it's a dry heat, but it's worse, yeah. right? Don't you agree? I mean, you've been I, to I, all these I, places. I agree. I agree. You know, when I when I go into the grocery store, I leave my car on. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's more humid here. No, it's, it's worse it's here. Worse it's there. worse here. It's hot is hot. All right, Tyron. This is this is actually a discussion that I've had with myself. So maybe you can settle this. 
Who is a more legendary number seven in the SEC, Tyron Matthew or Jadeveon Clowney? That's a tough question. I've thought about this for a while. Both how is he supposed seven. to answer this? I know how he should answer it. I, I want to see how he thinks on his feet. I think at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, he, 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 he actually finished his college career and he went number one. So I think he won. I think he won mm. the battle. Interesting. That's an, that. See, I told you he was able to think but on his feet. It's a very politically you, correct it, answer. It's very good <laughs> considering that Jadeveon's going to provide pressure for you to go right. make plays. You mentioned something in your press conference about wanting to prove that you're the best safety in the league. Why do you think you're the best safety in the league? What is it about you? What is it about your game that you feel like I am the best at my particular position in the NFL? Well, I think I can do a lot of different things. Um, I think I can do them really well. Um, I think, um, you know, some guys focus on what they could do really well and they just try to maximize it. Um, I'm kind of like the opposite. I kind of want to have, I kind of want to have this toolbox of things that I can go to and use. And, um, you know, I've always been that way. I've always, you know, um, you know, stretched myself in a sense that, you know, um, I demanded that my coaches coach me, you know, so, um, I just take great pride. I love football, man. I love everything that come with it. Um, and it's been a, it's been a fun ride. It's been a fun ride, and um, you know I got a long way to go. This defense needs to get back on the takeaway train, right? So here we go. You're here. Pressure up front with the guys getting healthier. That's going to be important. But also great coverage on the back end. So which is it though? It's kind of a chicken and egg thing. They help each other. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it goes hand in hand. Um, some downs, you know, um, the pass rush wins, and, and other downs the, the secondary wins. And um, I think if we could just stay focused, you know, hold each other accountable, um, and, and keep that positive energy flowing, um, I think we can do some good things. What about Watson and playing with him on the other side of the ball and being able to watch this offense, the limited stuff that you saw last year maybe? Yeah, you know, uh, I had a chance to play against Russell Wilson, you know, twice a year. And I think anytime you have a quarterback with that kind of, you know, you know, capabilities, um, it's always exciting, you know, especially for the defense. Um, you know, just watching. I'm going to have so much fun watching Deshaun, you know, yeah. uh, next year. And um, it's going to be fun. A guy that – the Cardinals you guys did see was DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I know, matched up with Pat the entire game. What was the thought of the Cardinals secondary of DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, we respected him, um, absolutely. Um, you know, we understood, you know, that, that, that he feels like he's the best receiver in the game. You know, that's how he catches the ball. That's how he runs his routes. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think if you throw the ball anywhere around him, he has the chance to catch it. And uh, so uh, he always does it in style. So uh, I'm excited to play with him, too. All right, so just to clarify, since I broadcast the game, so saying the Honey Badger in the course of action is okay. Yeah. We're good with that. Yeah. All right. It's trademarked, I know. Yeah. All right, so we'll keep track of this for okay. you. <laughs> yeah. But it's all good, right? I yeah, mean, it's all good. It's all good. When you got that nickname, I remember hearing that you didn't know the Honey Badger was. You had to see a little, the, you know, the video of the Honey Badger. Right, yeah. When you saw that, did you go, that's me on a football field? Because you do literally everything on a football field. And I remember – the first couple weeks of your 2011 season, you're running down a punt return. You strip the ball, score a touchdown. Then you strip sack the quarterback, score a touchdown off of there. You played – I mean, it was the, it's the perfect nickname for the way you play. Yeah, I mean, you know, once I've seen the video um, – but to rewind, I'm coming from Louisiana, we don't see honey badgers. I, don't, I, never, I, don't, I never knew what a honey badger was. Yeah. And, you know, just to have it come out of the blue, I was like – I don't know what this animal is. And, um, <laughs> it kind of stuck with me. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, uh, my coach actually, my coach in college actually told me to just don't say nothing. Just go with the flow. And, um, you know, you make a lot of money one day. And I said, okay. And I guess it worked out. But when you came into the league, you said, let's be quiet about it for a while, just out of respect or something? Yeah. What well, was that? Well, you know, it kind of took off when I was when I was at LSU. Right. And I went through what I, you know, I had my issues at LSU and, 
a lot of people knew me as the honey badger. They never got the new tyrant. Right. So I was I was just trying to start fresh, like, hey, <laughs> don't call me honey badger. Just call me tyrant. Let's get to know each other. And it came back into play slowly, yeah, right? Yeah, naturally. Right. Tyrant, obviously, there were a lot of people I mentioned earlier about social media. They, they wanted you. They recruited you. They were wanting but going to LSU, I remember talking to a couple of people that were with the LSU rival side. And they were talking about your recruitment, that you weren't, you weren't a five-star recruit. Did you feel like you've always had to kind of prove yourself each and every time you went on a field that, yeah, I do belong, I am the man, just watch me. And now you come to Houston and everybody wanted you to be yeah. here. It's a little different vibe than maybe what it was. But did you always feel like you were playing with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder to kind of prove to everybody that you could do it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I was always the smallest guy on the field. Um, I was never the fastest. I could never jump the highest. I was never the strongest. Um, but the only thing that could separate me was my effort, you know, how much you know, effort I put into practicing. And, um, you know, I think that's what I just try to do, you know, over time. And, you know, it's become a habit for me. Um, it's it's naturally second nature for me to just, you know, wake up and practice. Tyron, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck Appreciate here in it, Houston. Guys. Thank you. Thank you. I told him as he walked in, it is a little surreal to see the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews, sitting in front of me. It's one of the guys that I have been a fan of for a long time, in large part because of what he said how much he loves football. You can see it, the way he plays, the way he played at LSU, the way he played with the Cardinals. And if you get a chance, go watch the Amazon Prime Series, All or Nothing with the Phoenix Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, excuse me, and watch all the way through. But in particular, Episode 8, 7 and 8, and you can see the impact that Tyron Matthew had on the Cardinals. It was absolutely phenomenal, and hopefully he's going to have that impact on the Houston Texans in 2018 and beyond. Yes, it's a one-year deal, but hopefully – you will find that Houston is the place that he needs to be, and this is the team that he needs to be with going forward. All right, we get back. Mark and Drew sat in studio for a little bit, discussed everything that's happened in free agency. We'll have that for you next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, football analyst and silent reporter John Harris. Glad to be with you. I'll step out of the studio for a little bit because Mark and Drew are going to step in and give their thoughts about free agency. I gave you plenty of my thoughts all last week. So Mark and Drew decided, you know what, let's kick John out and let's get our thoughts in, commandeer his show for the next segment. I said, all right, that's fine. Let's save the pipes a little bit. Here's Mark with Drew. Drew, I think so far is a very important thing to bring up because you know a lot of people thought that first wave was over after Thursday's introductions, and then all of a sudden Friday, oh, guess what? They signed the Honey Badger, so you never know what's going to happen. I know there aren't too many big names left out there, but I don't think any of us were talking about the possibility, maybe remotely, but the possibility of really landing the Honey Badger on Friday night, yet they did. John Harris and I were talking about it. You we talked were. about it twice oh on Cooler Talks, both Friday afternoon and that then, he was I think out two there. Friday. Well, and that he was a possibility because I remember when the Honey Badger was going through the pre-draft process back mm-hmm. in '13. That scouting staff, who a lot of guys are still here from that scouting staff, yeah, they liked him. They were all about him, and you couldn't deny all the playmaking and all that stuff because right. they thought, well, he'd fit in nicely with a Wade Phillips defense, and I think he would have. Right, and he fits in nicely with a Romeo Cornell defense. Those guys have seen so much, are so creative, and know which positions to put them in. So I think they thought originally that'd be a nice fit. So fast forward to this year, and John and I both both brought it up a couple times. No, we didn't know that it was going to happen, but we said, look out, because there is a story here, there's a background here, and it came to fruition. They like what they saw. They like the idea that he can make plays, and you put them in tandem with these guys up front, 
like Watt, Clowney, Merciless, and then some of these emerging stars in the middle, they, they liked what they saw as far as being able to get interceptions, punch the ball out, and so on and so on. Yeah, he's a turnover machine. Yeah. I mean, you talk about turnover chain. He could have had his own turnover chain at LSU. Oh, man. I know that's a Miami thing, but you get what I'm saying here. 11 force fumbles. He was a Heisman finalist. They, he was yeah. the first right. defensive back to get invited to New York since Charles Woodson. That was in 1997. He went there, what, 14 years later. I mean, that's that's saying something in itself. Ben Narek Award winner, yeah. best defensive player in the country. And then you're looking at first team all pro as well as a pro mm-hmm. bowler in 2015. Mm-hmm. And here's something that I didn't even get to ask him about today, but recovering from injuries. Because any guy who's come back from an ACL to make a Pro Bowl or become an All-Pro, I want to ask him, because I know this is not highly unusual to do that, to come back from an ACL and play at a high level, but I wanted to ask him about this, the ability to do that and play that position at a high level and how it relates to what Deshaun is going through right now. It's a great idea. It's a great point to bring up, and I'll add on to that because he started – 16 games last season. He mm-hmm. started 16 right. games in 2017. That is so key because you just mentioned it takes a while, about a, a year to kind of get reacclimated, sometimes mm-hmm. less. But he played 16 games, started 16 games, so you got to figure in a new situation, in a different defense where he's kind of going to be, I don't want to say featured, but he's going to be put in positions to to flourish. Yep, this is a great thing. I can't I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, and I asked him about uh, the chicken and egg thing about pass rush versus coverage, as mm-hmm. far as what causes turnovers and what causes incompletions, and it is a little bit of both. And he admitted, you know, sometimes the defensive backfield they make a great play, and mm-hmm. uh, or they'll have a great coverage play, result in a coverage sack or an incompletion. Sometimes it's just because of pressure on the quarterback that an errant ball gets thrown and they get the takeaway. But we all agree on this. The Texans need to get turnovers in 2018. They just did not get enough last year. They were dismal in 2017. Mm -hmm. And you remember back in 2014, O'Brien's first year, Romeo Cornell's first year with the Texans, they they set a a team record. I mean, they had about 45 of them. They had something like – I think they had as many takeaways in – the red zone, so they were backed up in their own red zone. I think they had as many takeaways in their own red zone that year as they did all of like last year. You know, I mean, they were right. don't quote me on that, but they had so many in the red zone, and they just they snuffed out what would have been pure scoring chances, at least yeah. three points. They took it away. So yeah, they've got to get better there. Getting a guy like this in union with what you think is going to be a pretty good pass rush with these guys coming back, it's only going to help that. Well, if you think about this in that secondary. If everybody's healthy in nickel, a name you know will not be out there. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you're already looking at Kevin Johnson, Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson, Andre Howe, Honey Badger, mm-hmm. all right, Aaron and Colvin. Aaron Colvin. Aaron that's, Colvin's going to start. I mean, that's right. That's he'll six start. guys I mentioned. Yeah. Somebody, you know, all right, health is not always going to be there, but somebody of those six is not going to be on the field yep. in a full health nickel situation. And that's good for this football yes. team. That means everybody's ultra-competitive, everybody wants to be out there, and somebody's going to be missing out in those situations. It's a, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it was cool. I was talking with uh, with Matthew, did a little one-on-one with him. Mm-hmm. He's trained with Aaron Colvin before. He's friends with It feels with weird Aaron to Colvin. call him Matthew. I'm like, who? Yeah. yeah, It's either Tyron or the Honey Badger, but I never call him Matthew. But I know I did when we were broadcasting games against Arizona. Anyway, go on. But, yeah, he, he worked out. Uh, with Aaron Cole, he knows what he can do, and yeah. he's he's pretty positive and pretty optimistic about the future for Colvin because, you know, Colvin was kind of covered up for the last for the last year by Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye. Those are right. might be the best cornerback tandem in the league, 
and now he's going to get a chance to show what he can do. Probably going to do it outside, too. He's probably not going to be a slot corner here. He, he, there's a good chance, like you just talked about, yeah. he's going to play outside. Well, now that, especially now that they added this guy, they already had Kareem, a bit, his ability to play inside. Mm-hmm. Now you add Honey Badger, because you could also see that he would be a third corner. Uh-huh. As well as uh, you know, one of the starting safeties. I don't know. They have a lot of options, like you said. You're not going to keep him off the field, though, if he's healthy. There's no way, Tyron Matthew. And it lines up perfectly with everything we've heard Bill O'Brien say since day one of taking this job back in 14. Versatility, flexibility, mm-hmm. the ability to play multiple positions. Right. That's what this guy can do. And he said it in his press conference. He's, he said, I, "You know, I'm probably going to start at safety, but I can play nickel corner. I can play cornerback." He he's able to do those things. And he's like Aaron Colvin, who said the same thing to me. I can play the you know anywhere you want me. So mm-hmm. that's very enticing. And we've heard, we've always heard rumors. Hey, look out, Kareem Jackson might get moved to safety. We've heard that again and again and again. That could happen this year too. So you don't know uh, what's going to happen. But it's it's again the idea of versatility. Andre Howell was a cornerback. Now he plays safety. Right. Can probably is fast enough to probably do both. Well, I brought this up with Johnny uh, during our Texans Live free agency edition Mm -hmm. pre-press conference show today. I liked it. Remember 2011 when they got Jonathan Joseph and Daniel Manning? Yep. And I brought up the Bryce McCain story, which I like to tell because Bryce McCain at the end of 2010 was deactivated. Healthy scratch from the last three games, I believe, of that season. Disastrous defensive season, but he couldn't get on the field late that year. Yet Bryce McCain stepped up his game so much when he saw what was going on, and he might have done this anyway, but he sees Jonathan Joseph, Daniel Manning. He sees them draft two defensive backs in the first four rounds of the draft. And now Bryce McCain, who might have been an afterthought going into that season, becomes a solid nickel corner for this football team. And he's still in the league today. I mean, Bryce McCain's still a player now. He's not a pro bowler, but he's a solid player. I know uh, he's not here anymore, but he's still employed in the NFL after being part of that, what, 2009 yeah. draft, he right? Was, no, he was excellent in 2011 as, as, mm-hmm. a, as a nickel corner. And you, you talk about the two he DBs. He stepped up his game is my point. Totally, yeah. yeah. And, and that's probably going to happen with somebody that yeah, we're like not Corey even talking Moore about. Or, or like, Tristan Deku. Yeah. You know, there's so many options. And those two DBs that got drafted, I mean, they barely saw the field in their time as right. Texans. Mm-hmm. That was in large part because Bryce McCain came, you know, stepped in the four, stepped yeah. up and, and, and did what he did. So, yeah, it's it's a that's an excellent point. What ripple effect does this signing do these signings have on guys who are already here or guys who are kind of on the outside, maybe undrafted free agents this spring, right? That that wind up making it making an impact. All right, a couple of other things because you and I have not talked since all those old linemen. All those old linemen were signed, mm-hmm. and I know left tackle remains a big conversation yeah, for this football yeah. team, and I don't think we can solve that right here. And who knows what they're really thinking? I mean, Julian Davenport probably would start if they were playing this weekend, Mm -hmm. but maybe they have something else up their sleeves. You never know. Chantrell Henderson, what are your thoughts on, let's start with Henderson, who comes in here, a mountain of a man, and a guy who in 2015 was part of a Buffalo team that led the NFL in rushing, and he was a starting tackle on that team, and he wants to get back to that. The Crohn's disease recovery is kind of behind him now. Uh, I know you always have to keep up to date, but the worst of it appears to be behind him. What do you think? That's huge. The Crohn's being because it's it's kept him out of so much the last two right. three years came onto the scene came onto the scene with a flourish as a rookie right you know he had all this talent all this promise and not many people thought that highly of him he went in the seventh round and then what did he do he won the right tackle position as a rookie and started just about every game that year so if he's more like that guy than what you've seen the last few seasons and the the health is there I mean you you just 
found a starter, and that's a that's an excellent deal. Another thing, you're a tall guy. You're like six three, six four, six two. Yeah, I'm not short. I mean, I'm right at five eleven ish. Have you ever seen me step up on a ladder or step stool to do an interview with anybody? No. no. Well, I stepped on a step in the uh, auditorium, and he he was down a step, and I didn't. He was still taller than me. Did my inter- entire interview with wow. him last week. He's at, he is enormous. He's the biggest Texan I can remember us having. Maybe there have been other bigger Texans, but I don't remember them. Okay. I mean, he's enormous. He's six seven, almost six eight, and he's. It's like he fills up the he, doorway. He blocks out the sun. Yeah, he really yeah. does. Now, what about Zach Fulton? Your thoughts? I think between Fulton and Kelamete, you've got uh, you, you might have two starters there at guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, Zach figure Nick Martin is going to be in there at center as a starter, mm-hmm. but you you probably have two other starters at guard. And look at where's that leave Jeff Allen? Where's that leave uh, Greg Mance? There's lots of options there. It's kind of yeah. like what you just talked about with McCain and mm-hmm. coming up. You might have something like that happen. One yep. of these guys beats him out. Kyle Fuller. Yeah, Kyle Fuller's. They they thought very highly of Kyle Fuller yep. and what his future is. He's still kind of transitioning from playing in that run-and-shoot offense at Baylor to more NFL-style offense. And they like his nasty streak. He got some some experience last year as like the third tight end and right. playing guard in some spots. David Questenberry, we didn't even bring him up. I know. So, I mean, there's there's you've raised the level of competition at minimum. Mm-hmm. And you found maybe three starters at best. What I like about Fulton is the versatility. Yep. What I like about Kelamete was he started, what, nine games for the Saints last year. And everyone talks about Drew Brees and their ability to throw the football. But this is the team that led the league in yards per rush at 4.7. Uh-huh. That's pretty strong. And he started nine games for that squad. I do like that. And, Mark, he started at right guard, left tackle, blocking tight end. I mean, he started three different positions as, right. as an offensive lineman. That's huge. It's, it's, again, it goes into all this, this competition. They, they, they recognize they've got to raise the level of competition because if you do that, it's going to yield starters. It's going to yield better players. And obviously. thank goodness they have Deshaun because when he was in he there, the old line they yeah. did have looked a lot better. And, you know, in OTAs, they're not going to get to do a lot of O-line stuff. No. They'll just do the choreography, and that Bill O'Brien always talks about that, how he's not able to get his O-lineman doing O-line-type things sure. in OTAs. It's not till training camp where they put the pads on, where they get a good look. And I really think it's in the – we talked about this last year, too. It's in the regular season, not yeah. even the preseason games. The regular season games, sometimes it takes two, three, four games to really get sure. clicking – as an offensive line, unless you're a veteran unit, so they're going to have to get established quickly. But, but, but the I best do, way to do that is with Watson. Yeah, no, no doubt. But I do think back to your original point. I think the Texans are going to go out and sign somebody that they think is going to be their left tackle. Right. I mean, I do think because Cameron Fleming's still out there, mm. well, Adrian Waddle's still out there. Those guys are Patriots. Those guys are possibilities. I, I mean, I yeah. think that they are going to address that in some way. Well, they'll. I agree. They'll at least get somebody who can compete. For the position, if not provide depth or yeah. whatever else, and they'll work on it that way. What players kind of flown under the radar here? Sammy Coates, who mm-hmm. reportedly was picked up off waivers on Friday. Yep. And Sammy Coates is a receiver who has had difficulty catching the ball, which I know sounds kind of silly in a way, but hey, uh, you know, some guys are not known as hands guys. He's got to clearly work on that. I see him out here with John Perry. I can visualize this getting better in those areas. He's got. 
an Adonis body at wide receiver. I mean, all, by all accounts, he should be a it's lot really better. really fast, too. And he'll probably be the first one to admit that. Now he's going to his third team in, what, four years? So we'll see how it works out. Yeah, and he's kind of been a numbers guy. Like, he's been a victim of the numbers over the last few years. He's You know, you play in Pittsburgh, there's an alpha dog there, Antonio Brown. So you're you're fighting for the two, three, four spots. And yep. He got edged out by some other players, and then he went to the Browns. And can we really – Truly can't judge. Yeah, judge what's there on the Browns. I mean, Josh the Gordon years. is Josh Gordon. Yeah, he yeah, come back and look pretty good. But he's an elite, elite level talent. At minimum, it's another guy that is going to get in there and, and challenge guys like Braxton Miller, challenge some of the younger guys on this roster. Well, plus, who maybe... do, who do they have a quarterback here who mm-hmm. quote makes other people around him better? And there's no better guy to play with. I think. I mean, they're probably you can play with Tom Brady, but you get my drift here. That playing with Watson here in year two is going to be a good thing for Sammy Coates. Look at Will Fuller playing with Deshaun Watson, seven mm-hmm. touchdowns in a month versus Will Fuller playing with everybody else. I mean, has shown flashes, point. but it's, point. it's like Deshaun Watson Looked unlocked like a different receiver. Will Fuller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. completely unlocked. His More than potential. half of his catches were touchdowns with with uh, Watson. Appreciate it, boys. Thank you for hopping in for a few minutes. All right, we're going to finish up the show with one of those free agents the Texans signed right off the bat, Senio Kilimete from the New Orleans Saints, now a Houston Texan. We'll talk about his life with the Saints, his experience with Drew Brees, which is a funny story, and we'll talk about the opportunity he has here in Houston next. And we'll also go around the league. There's a lot of things happening in the NFL. Where does Indomitian Sioux land? Hopefully it's not in Tennessee. We'll talk about all that next right here in Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access on this wonderful Monday evening. Oh, it's beautiful outside. And the sun hasn't gone down yet. Boy, that's really, really nice. I'm in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host, football analyst and sideline reporter. Big day here in the building. Hey, rodeo moving out, so a lot of moving parts. But Tyron Matthew moving in. Also, Sammy Coates claimed on waivers the former Auburn wide receiving star now joins the Texans. Not a, what's the right way to say, not a hugely successful career right now, but who knows when the light can go on. And really for Sammy Coates, you talk about Brian Gain the other day talking about longer, stronger, bigger, longer, stronger. That's Sammy Coates. Now it's a matter of him catching the football because he is a deep downfield threat. He can be a guy that runs out on special teams. He's going to compete for an opportunity. So, to wrap it, I don't want to say wrap it all up because who knows what could happen next. I don't think the Texans have broken the bank for any player. I mean, they've, they've paid some good money for players coming in, but it's not as if they paid the Nate Solder $15 million a year for a player. So there's no telling whether free agency is over for them. Like I said, this is an ongoing process. But thus far, the Texans have added on the offensive line three players, Chantrell Henderson. They've also added... Zach Fulton, and the player we're about to hear from, Senio Kelamete. In the secondary, they have added Aaron Colvin. They've also added Tyron Matthew. And then claimed on waivers, wide receiver, Sammy. Oh, I also forgot, secondary, Johnson Batamosi. That's one we haven't talked about too much, is Johnson Batamosi. So seven players have been added from outside the building. Three offensive linemen, three secondary players, and one wide receiver. How does that change, if at all, the draft strategy for the Texans with no first or second round pick? We'll talk about that in, obviously, the days leading up to the draft. We're getting 
We're getting closer. We're getting closer. And I love the draft. I don't care. The Texans had a seventh-round pick. I would be excited about that. I, I love the draft. You guys know all that. But seven players added to this mix. And the one thing I can say, especially from a secondary standpoint, now the only one that really doesn't fit this bill might be the best, best overall player in this group, and that's Tyron Matthew. Tyron is not a bigger, longer, stronger player, but everything that he does on a football field sort of trumps all of that. He's one of the rare breed of athletes and players that overcomes all of that. I mean, he's, he's 5'9". He's not a big guy. He's not a tall guy, but he's put together. I mean, you can tell, man, he is cut, he's ripped, he is strong, but he's just not a tall guy. But Aaron Colvin and Johnson Batamosi, I was walking behind Johnson the other day, walking down the hallway. And I thought, man, that's a big guy. And I couldn't I couldn't figure out who it was. We were looking at the pictures. And then I saw Adam Schefter tweet that we had signed Johnson Batamosi. We looked up his picture and I said, that's him. He's a big guy. I wouldn't be surprised if Johnson moved to safety. Just, I don't know. I'm not 100% certain. But it might be an opportunity. I've also said about Tristan Deku, whether he should move to safety. So those seven signings. I think end up being hugely important for a number of different reasons, individual reasons, of course, for the seven. But I've said before, the more bodies, people ask me about free agency, I said they're probably going to sign at least one or two guys in the offensive line, one or two guys in the secondary. Well, they signed three on the O-line, three in the secondary. Going into the draft, it's not a deep draft from a tackle perspective. I should say it's, it's not great up front, but it does have some depth at the tackle position. So I do think in the draft, eight players – if I were going to ferret it out, I would think two O-linemen are coming out of there. I would think two secondary members are coming out of there at a minimum. I would think they've got to get a tight end and at least three other players. Perhaps a running back, perhaps another O-lineman. I wouldn't be surprised if they went three O-linemen. Went three O-line, two secondary, a tight end, that's six. One other, maybe a running back get to make sure that you've got with Deontay Foreman that he's going to be back healthy. And then you've got one other complete wild card, maybe a late-round quarterback, maybe a guy you drafted in the sixth, seventh round, maybe a Kyle Allett or something like that um, to bring in here and compete uh, for backup job, third job, whatever the case might be. But that's if you add another three offensive linemen, think about it this way. If you add another three offensive linemen to the mix, you've got these three, uh, Chantrell Henderson, Zach Fulton, and Senio Kelamete. Then you add, say, three linemen in the draft. That's six. You add Derek Newton back, that's seven. You add David Quesenberry fully healthy, that's eight. Hopefully that DQ is on that list. You're talking about a, a, a newness, basically, to that offensive line that, that those five up front are going to look incredibly different. And then you've got Julian Davenport, Kyle Fuller coming off their rookie seasons, which hopefully they can take a leap. I would love to see Kyle Fuller get in that guard competition. Love it. Would love it. He could take that step. Well, that would be kind of nice. Julian takes that step. Our last couple of games, those are two I want to go back and watch and see how and focus on him. I didn't really focus on anything at the end of the year. Just wanted 2017 to be over with the way it was going. But I definitely want to go back and study Julian and how he looked uh, the last couple of games of the year when he was there at left tackle because maybe that's where he ends up. And maybe he turns a corner and becomes a guy you can absolutely rely on week in and week out. And if you do, boy, you got, you got a fourth rounder. A guy like Teron Armstead with the Saints, I think he got him in the second or third round, and he turned into a player. be very interesting. Now, one of those offensive linemen I just mentioned, Senio Kelamete. He came in here after he signed his papers, did his press conference, 
walked down and spent some time on radio. We got a chance to meet him. Here's our interview with Senio Kilamete. Congratulations. How does it feel? Man, I'm just, like I said, I can't put it into words. I'm just so ecstatic to be here, man. What's this free agent process like? Is it is it nerve-wracking? How, does, how do your your loved ones go through it? Are they wondering where you're going? Are you wondering where you're going? Like, what's that process like? Uh, it's it's kind of tough because, you know, like you said, you bring up family and they're constantly asking, like, what's going, you know, what's going on? You know, what's the teams? What are you hearing? And, and really it's just like I'm just trying to really just block out all that noise and just really just kind of just, you know, be calm and just be patient. And, you know, and just when the time comes and, you know, I'm going to talk to my agent and we're going to discuss things. But it was kind of a little bit overwhelming just because uh, my family was, you know, I'm really family-oriented and my family just really wanted to know where where I was going to be playing, you know, this upcoming season. So what was it like at your last stop with the New Orleans Saints? Because we've seen them plenty, preseason practices, preseason games, the game here in 2015, been a bunch of action between these two franchises. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, I can't thank, uh, you know, the New Orleans Saints um that's kind of where my career kind of took off, you know, um, and and I pride myself in that guy just being that, bringing his uh, lunch pail and his hard hat because, you know, I, I work very hard to get where I am right now, and, you know, I don't mind working even harder to, uh, you know, to reach our goal. What would you tell Texans fans about your game? What is it about you and your game that Texans fans are going to love? Man, they're going to see a guy that's, you know, a high-motor guy that's going to try to finish blocks, that's going to keep his quarterback upright, keep him safe. And, uh, man, they're just going to see a lot of passion from the O-line. So you grew up in Seattle, right? Yeah. And played at, at UW. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Yep. Is that UW? You, yeah, yeah, it's UW. Yeah, UW. Yeah. UW. Okay. <laughs> so then you go to New Orleans, and now you're in Houston. So you're not getting back to that part of the country anytime soon, it appears. <laughs> but what is it like for you to be in this part of the country? Like, the, New Orleans is different than Houston, but you're in the same general uh, geographical zip code. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's – you know, weather-wise, yeah, obviously there's no change. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I really don't know this area too good. So it's kind of mm-hmm. exciting just because, you know, when we finally get everything situated, be able to go and explore and probably – I really want to go check out a lot of good restaurants. You know, I'm I'm a fat boy at heart. Obviously, I'm a lineman. <laughs> so I'm a, obviously probably ask, you know, some of the fans and, and reach out to the social media and see where, where the good spots to hit up. Okay. So what's your culinary pleasure? What what's like? What's your favorite type of food? Because we can maybe lead you in a certain direction. Anything? Uh, it's pretty much everything. And, all right. Okay. You're gonna have a good time at Houston from that from that standpoint. Uh, I don't know how much it is. I don't know if you carry weight really well. If you have to worry about that, some guys have to worry about that. Some offense linemen are like, I it, I can eat all day and I don't gain a pound. So I don't know how you are. But we've asked everybody that's come through here. Uh, you this question because each one has a versatility to their game. Now, I would somebody asked me, I would say, yeah, you probably play guard, but guard tackle. I don't know if you've ever played center, but are you a guard and going to be left or right guard? Is there a possibility to play tackle? What's the what's the future at guard or tackle for you? Um, I think it's you know it's pretty early. I, we haven't really discussed about where I'd be playing. But obviously, you know, I'm I'm versatile, so doesn't I feel like it doesn't matter where they put me at. They they know what they got in me, so I'm gonna just keep getting better. What was it like being in the huddle with Drew Brees? I mean, this guy's never hurt. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever played, and now you're coming here with Deshaun Watson, who's young, but so but shows so much promise. 
Oh man, I you know my f- first time being in the huddle with Drew Brees, I had to kind of like snap out of it just because <laughs> I was so starstruck. And at the same time, uh, Drew kind of you know gets the plays out pretty quick, so it was just like man, I'm starstruck. Oh shoot, what's the play? <laughs> um, but man, um, I kind of you know just off the field and, and and characteristic. I feel like both Drew and, and Deshaun are, are very humbling guys, um, and you know they're they're a team guy, and I feel like. Um, you know, both of those guys are high-caliber quarterbacks. We talk about this with offensive line a lot, and and you mentioned family, your your family away from the building, but your family inside the building are the offensive linemen. I would imagine it's still when you change teams, that's got to be pretty tough for offensive linemen to do because there's such a brotherhood bond that you have with those guys. I saw you tweet to Zach Streif about being along with him. Where does that come from? Where is that brotherhood generated with the offensive lineman and why? I feel like that's just part of, uh, you know, just going through the process. Everyone's going through the grind, and everyone un- understands what you're going through. But, you know, hey, we all have the same goal, and we're all trying to reach that goal. And just being being together and, and going through that process, going through the ups and downs together, and knowing, you know, what works and what doesn't work and what's successful and what's not, I feel like that kind of that, that, that's what builds our, our brotherhood, our bond with O-linemen, just because, you know, day in and day out, we're constantly hitting guys, and we know, you know, it's a, it's a toll on our body. But at the same time, we know this is our job, and, you know, this is what we love doing. So, I mean, I feel like hanging out um, inside, you know, the facility is good, but I feel like most important is, like, hanging out outside the facility because then you get to know each other. You kind of, you know, get to – you know, coaches won't be around, and you won't feel, you know, I feel like everyone just has that kind of relaxed, chill vibe. Sanio, thanks a lot for joining us. Congratulations. Thank you guys for having me. That is one strong, athletic dude, and I'm very interested to see him get in the mix. In the offensive line, obviously that unit has undergone a transformation, and Senio is going to be a big part of that. We'll start to ferret that out during conditioning and OTAs which I think the guys will start reporting in April. Then the draft, you have the rookie minicamp, and then you'll start having the full-team OTAs take you on up through July. And then July they're gone, or end of June, I should say. And then July they're gone, and then it's time for the Greenbrier. And then it's time to get it on, see what this 2018 team is going to look like. It looks a lot different already with just these seven editions. And then you're going to throw in eight draft picks, probably another – 12 to 13 or more undrafted free agents. And that'll get you to your 90-man roster, and it's going to be exciting, no question. Tyra Matthews, a Texan, so is Sammy Coates, and you guys are great Texans for having listened to this show. Big thanks to Mark, to Drew, to Tyron, to Senio, and to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.